They would travel in groups. They'd go up for these big annual celebrations like Passover or Tabernacles. And so they would sing these songs. Now, you might remember, you might know Jerusalem sits pretty high above sea level. So regardless of what direction you're coming from, you're having to go up. You're having to ascend some hills or, you know, kind of a climb uh, to get to the temple, to get to the holy city to worship. So that's why they call these songs of ascent. And we see a lot of different emotions in there. We see joy. We see lament. We see fear. We see praise and thanksgiving. We see a confidence and a strengthening of faith. And uh, not only are these songs for the journey uh, that the Israelites are on presently, but even spiritually, metaphorically, both for the Israelites and for us, you know that we are on this journey of faith, just like the picture that we get with the Israelites going in the wilderness, they're headed to the promised land. Well, we are all journeying towards that time where we will get ultimate rest with the Lord. So as we journey ourselves this summer, a lot of people are traveling, as Leo had mentioned, um, but also just journeying this faith uh, faith journey together. We pray that these psalms um, would both encourage, exhort us, strengthen our own faith, just as it did the Israelites. So let me go ahead. I'm going to read Psalm 121, then we're going to pray, and we will jump in here. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is the shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for not abandoning us or leaving us to wonder about who you are and your character, but revealing yourself through your word and to be strengthened and encouraged by your words to us, songs that we can sing together about who you are, what you've done for us, and your promises to us. I pray that as we hear this scripture today, that you would plant your word deep into our hearts, that we would be able to live out of this truth with confidence that you care for us. So do that now for us. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. So I briefly mentioned at the start that I went on a summer missions trip with the youth. It's been, I think, about four years since we did that, so it was a really good time. It was really uh, fun and encouraging. I'm sure we'll do a ministry spotlight here in a couple weeks. Uh, but something that was not so fun for me was the day, were the days leading up to the missions trip. So about 10 days before the trip, 11 days before the trip, I woke up totally fine. I was here in the office making sure everything was set before I leave as I'm you know, quickly approaching the deadline to leave. And uh, I start feeling pretty bad. But my first thought is, Annie and I are raising a three-year-old and a one-year-old, so this is normal. I'm probably just crashing. I need to press on. Uh, but the tipping point was I went to go eat my lunch. I took one bite. I thought I was going to throw up. And I was like, no, OK, I'm actually sick. So I went home. Of course, did a COVID test, it was negative, so I was like, okay, maybe. And then still felt bad the next day, it was uh, positive when I took a second COVID test. So now I freak out, I Google like, okay, what are the CDC guidelines? I'm starting to stress and be anxious, like, will this missions trip happen? Can I still go? Uh, but then I started thinking, okay, according to CDC, I think I'm good. 
but what if Annie gets sick? Like, should I just like breathe on her a lot right now? Like, can she get sick tomorrow? Because she was the only adult female going. Most of the uh, youth that were going on this trip uh, were youth girls. So I was like, I can't not have Annie on this trip. So I mask up. The kids don't really understand what's going on, especially Jude, since he's 10 months. He just like stares at me all day. Like, why is dad in a mask all of a sudden? Uh, but it was stressful. And then on top of that, I started feeling the weight the closer we got of, uh, wow, there's like six families that are like letting me drive their kids like eight hours down, eight hours back. We are working for an organization called Hope for the Inner City. So I'm just like, Lord, those whole prayers about, you know, praying for safe travels, I am feeling that right now. Please just let me get back with all these youth. And then the final tipping point, you know, between all those stressors and anxieties was my mom was scheduled to fly in late on Thursday night. And you can guess what happened in this current state of the airlines is that my mom's trip was canceled like two hours before departure. So all Thursday night, the first half of Friday, it's just like all my energy is going to like trying to make sure my mom's on a plane that either gets here or close enough that she can like rent a car and drive three or four hours. So it was very stressful uh, getting out the door Saturday morning for this missions trip um, a couple weeks ago. And relating to the psalm is kind of like in the midst of all that, where does my help come from? You know, I'm, I'm stressing out, I'm anxious, but where do I turn in the midst of that? And that's what we see the theme of this psalm, I think, coming through in Psalm 121 for the Israelites. The writer, the, uh, both the writer and the people who are singing this psalm, they're looking at the hills ahead of them, and they're wondering where does their help come from? And what I want us to take away today as we uh, go forth ourselves um, after this worship service and what I think was encouraging for the Israelites is this truth that we can be confident in the Lord's care for us because Yahweh is our keeper. That we can be confident in the Lord's care for us because Yahweh is the one who keeps us. So their first point is this. We can be confident in the Lord's care for us because Yahweh is creator. Look with me in verses 1 and 2. Right, It says, I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So if you were with us at all in the spring for some of our men and women's Bible studies, you might remember that we went through the Good Samaritan for a few weeks. And if you remember us breaking down that historical backdrop, when you're going up to Jerusalem or coming down for Jerusalem like the Good Samaritan, you were really threatened about you could either get robbed or beaten. And if you especially think these songs of ascent are for the people to go up to Israel for like, you know, important religious celebrations, annual celebrations like Passover or tabernacles. When you're traveling up to Jerusalem, you could be bringing money with you to buy sacrificial animals. You could be bringing uh, the best animals to sacrifice for the festival. But you have some, some goods with you. And as the Good Samaritan um, parable from Jesus points out, it's very uh, possible for you to get robbed or to get jumped as you're going up or leaving from Jerusalem. So as these Israelites, these uh, people are going up for the Passover, they said, my eyes look to the hills. They have to go through these twists and turns and boulders and crags. They're not sure what's going to happen. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Now, one thing to point out, if you've grown up in the church, you might know this, but if you're new or uh, just questioning, investigating the faith, anytime you see the word Lord in all capital letters, that Hebrew is the personal name Yahweh. So throughout this whole psalm, 
you'll see Lord in all capital letters. So the Israelites who are singing this are not just saying Lord as a title, but they're actually calling the personal name of God Yahweh, creator, I know him, he's my help. He's my help in time of need. But not only that in that first you know, two verses, he's the maker of heaven and earth. So there's nothing more powerful than him. There's no authority higher than him. Me, myself, everything around me, what I'm about to experience as I journey through the hills, he's created all of it. So what fear do I have when the person who, or the being who has made the atoms, who's made the galaxies that are like 13.4 trillion light years away, that God who holds all time and space in, hand, in his hand is my helper as I approach whatever that stressful situation is. Now, the rest of the psalm fleshes out with the lyrics this idea that Yahweh is their helper. And we might not be, you know, going up to Jerusalem ourselves. We might not feel immediately threatened, uh, like we're going to get robbed or, or beaten. But we do have stressors in life. I know a lot of people here, I'm um, thankful, Leo, I don't know where you went. I'm glad you got to Hawaii and back in the midst of COVID and plane cancellations. I know there's more people here who are about to travel overseas and you're probably stressing like I cannot get COVID in the next five days, nor even if I don't get COVID, you know, Lord God, please just like let the flight take place. We don't want that to get canceled after planning for a year. Uh, but it could be, of course, deeper than that, right? Your parents who are sick, you're fearful of losing them. Maybe it's just uh, a friendship or a family um, situation that's dysfunctional and you're looking for the confidence and courage to confront that. Maybe it's something even harder. Maybe you yourself or someone you know is struggling with sexuality and you're not quite sure how to deal with that. But whatever that stress and anxiety is, I want you to kind of think about something yourselves in your own life that you're walking through and to be reminded that Yahweh is your help the one who created heaven and earth, the one who is above everything, who's created everything seen and unseen, right, heaven and earth, that he is for you, that he cares for you. And with that, you can have some confidence going in to each new day. So we saw that Yahweh is creator, and if you go in now and look in verses three through six, we'll look at the next point, which is this, that we can be confident in God's care for us because he's not only creator, but he's close to us. That Yahweh is close. So in verses three and four, right, the psalmist says that he keeps me from stumbling. He's close enough to keep me from my foot slipping or from stumbling. And he just says, because the one who keeps me doesn't slumber. Now slumber just means getting drowsy or tired. But then verse four, it says, behold. And if, you know, if you read the Bible a lot, it's so easy to like just read that word, behold, da, 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 da. But in Hebrew, you know, even in the Greek, anytime we see behold, that's a big sign. That's a big important word that says what I'm about to say, pay attention to. So in verse four, it says, behold, he neither slum, the one who keeps all of Israel, neither slumbers or sleeps. So not only does he not get tired, he never even sleeps. And they're singing this together. There's a whole group of people. That's how that, you know, they stayed safe. They'd go up with one another. The one who keeps all of them who are singing this song does not slumber or sleep. And that's actually really important because all the gods in the surrounding area of that time, you know, even um, in other faiths today, they are finite beings that do have to rest. If you were to go read 1 Kings, 
when Elijah the prophet was praying for rain and the other prophets of Baal were also praying for rain, it doesn't work. Elijah says to them, like, ha, your God must be sleeping, but not Yahweh. He doesn't sleep. So in other words, he can watch over them 24-7. And then there's more imagery of closeness in verses 5 to 6, right? He says he's the shade at your right hand, that he watches over you in sun and moon. So in that time where if he's the shade at your right hand, I like the way that one commentator said it. He said he, God is so close to them. Yahweh is so close to them. He's closer than the hills that they see before them. He's looking, they're looking at the hills like, okay, I hope I make it through this. Yahweh's my helper. He's right here next to me. Yahweh is closer than the potential stress, fear, anxiety that I have to walk through uh, going forward. One last interesting note uh, I'll say to that is for verses 5, 6, 7, and 8, you'll see that the very first word is the Lord. Now, it's probably hard to keep up or see this in the English, but in the Hebrew, that word Lord is fronted to be the very first word of the sentence. And grammatically, that's really important because it's saying Yahweh, emphasis. He's the one that keeps you. Yahweh, he's the one that's your shade. Yahweh, he's the one that keeps you from evil. Yahweh, he's the one that protects you when you're going in and coming out. So there's this emphasis of you are not alone, that Yahweh, the creator of everything, the one who's close, he is with you. Now, that presence is actually a really good thing. I know there's a lot of kids in here. We, don't, we have family worship. Kids, if you've ever been sick, maybe you've thrown up, tummy ache, earache, go to the doctor. I remember when I was a kid, when I had those situations, I just didn't want to be alone, right? If I was throwing up over the toilet, I wanted mom or dad there to say, it's okay. It's going to be okay. Now, right, mom or dad can't heal my stomach. They can't magically fix my earache. I might have to wait a day or two to go to the doctor, but I just wanted the presence of my parents in the midst of the hardship. And that's what we see here in these verses, that Yahweh is close to the Israelites. Yahweh is close to us as his people. And when I think about the missions trip, right, I was like stressing so much those 10 days going up, you know, before Chattanooga. What if I had remembered that the God who cares for me, he's a creator, he's close to me, but it's not only about me, right? He keeps all his people. So he's close to each of the youth that are on that trip. He's close to Annie and Jason, the other leaders who are there. He cares for them and their own journey and their faith journey way more than I could. And that allows me to release control and to hopefully quell some of the stress and anxiety and fear that I have. I can be confident in God's care for me, but I can be confident in God's care for them. So we've seen that God is the creator of everything, seen and unseen. We've seen that he's close to us. So what about these last two verses? Here we see in verses 7 and 8 that God is the covenant-keeping God. In other words, God keeps his promises. We can be confident in God's care for us because he keeps his promises to us. Now verse 7 highlights that he'll keep us from evil and he keeps our whole life. That's not just physical breath. That's our whole life experience. That God keeps. Now, you might be thinking, wait a second, um, I see evil like 24-7 on the news, or I've personally experienced heartache and um, suffering. So how can verse 7 be true? It says he'll keep me from evil. Well, one author put it this way, and I, I liked the way he kind of described it. He said, when God keeps your life and he protects you from evil, it does not mean it's a cushioned or easy life. What he's saying is that you have an armored life. You have a well 
armored life. He's prepared you for it. He's with you in it. He will not abandon you in the midst of that hardship. And when you think about the eternal perspective, which is what verse 8 gets to, he keeps that promise. Because even if you die, if the worst evil happens and you die, God's like, yeah, I raised dead people to life, so you're still good. You're with me for all eternity. He will keep his promise. He will not abandon you. So getting into that last verse, verse 8, this is like the ultimate bow tie ribbon to the joy that the Israelite has as they're go even if they go through the hills and they get beaten like the Good Samaritan or they die. Verse 8 says what? Let's read that again. It says, The Lord will keep your going out, your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So one commentator said it this way. It's hard to decide which half of this verse is actually more encouraging. Is it the fact that it starts right now? Yahweh, the creator, who's close, who keeps his promise, is caring for me this very second before whatever I'm stressed about that's about to happen? Or is it more encouraging that it runs on, not to the end of time, but his care for me runs on forever, without end, just like God himself? So you can be confident in God's care for you because he keeps his covenant, which is the fact that he promises not to abandon his people and that he will give us eternal life. Now, this confidence that someone will keep their promise is actually a really important um, experience to have in life. Hopefully, we not just experience this with God. Hopefully, we also experience this with other people, but oftentimes, that's not the case. Um, this makes me think of Olivia Rodrigo, of course, you're right? Um, but no, it's like every time I hang out with the youth for an extended period of time, Olivia Rodrigo ends up coming up. So I know I had an Olivia illustration in February after the youth hung out, uh, the high school youth hung out with Annie and I at our house all night. But since we had eight hours on the drive back from Chattanooga, we of course had to eventually talk about Olivia Rodrigo. And all the leaders, me, Jason, Annie, heard the entire life and love story of Olivia Rodrigo and its relationship to her album that came out last year called Sour. So essentially this album is like, you know, this guy, her first love broke up with her and she wrote a whole album about it. And it just soared to number one on the charts. But one of the songs that stick out in that album, cause she goes through all the emotions, betrayal, jealousy, sadness, uh, depression, kind of hope maybe for the future, but also kind of like not hopeful of her hope. There's like a whole range of emotions. And the breakout, I think, single on that album was called Driver's License. And the very last line of the chorus, which is repeated multiple times, it says this, that you said forever, but now I drive alone on your street. She's experienced this, you said forever, but you broke this promise. And in contrast to that, <clears throat> We have a creator God who in the last line of our song promises to be with us forever. And that's actually possible for him to do because he's infinite, he's created everything, he's all-powerful, he's close to us. So it can be hard to get these truths from our head to our heart. I've actually heard it said, uh, one of my mentors growing up would always tell me the longest distance in all of life, and I'm sure he heard it from somebody else famous, is from here to here. Getting stuff from our head when we read these songs to down here to actually living it out is one of the hardest things to do. So how do we do that? How can we actually live out of a place of knowing Yahweh cares for me each day, that his grace for me is new each day? And the first thing I would say and encourage us to do 
is simply to name the stress anxiety. As someone who's old, or older with two kids now, like I'm not just in college anymore, I'm not just a youth anymore, it's so easy just the hamster wheel keeps spinning. I don't even have time to think about what I'm stressed about. I don't even have time to recognize that I'm angry or impatient or maybe that anger and impatience is coming from something else that I'm actually scared is going to happen to me. But actually take time to name and think about, you know what, this aspect of my life is frustrating me. I am stressed about this situation coming up. This person, maybe I have like avoided and cut off, but I need to deal with that broken relationship. But name the stress and the anxiety, just like the Israelites, they saw the hills, they were really realistic. I need help as I'm about to go through this. So we need to be able to do that too. The second thing in the context of this psalm is remember, they're singing it out loud in community together. So he's not just like walking up in his head being like, this is, on the outside, this is what it looks like. That's not what's happening. He's not just keeping his stress and anxiety here. He's actually naming it, singing about it. Uh, he or she, who, the Israelites who are there are not alone in it, but they're doing it together in community, right? It makes me think of like in the military when they sing songs as you go through training and there's this camaraderie that like pushes you forward to continue. But even for the missions trip, uh, we had like a poster that we bought where everyone could write a memory. And one of the youth highlights that she wrote under her name was singing together in the car. There's something about externally singing and being with one another. Now, it, it wasn't necessarily like a hardship journey that we were singing about in the car, but the idea of externally singing together really does help, which of course means being at worships together, being in communities together. But if it's not singing, actually name it, right? Because the, um, like when the scripture says, bring your sin into the light, we don't just want to keep our sin here in our head. There's something powerful about bringing it from here out. And when we actually name it, something happens. So singing, you could pray out loud. I pray out loud when I'm not in a public area because I don't necessarily want to look weird when I'm in a public area. But praying out loud helps. Also, I would say journaling. Maybe you don't want to talk to someone, even though I would encourage it. But actually out loud, writing something down in a journal because you're taking it from here out and that helps us to recognize our need for the Lord and actually turn to him in it the very last thing I'd say to help us is to repeat repeat everything I just said because this psalm was sung by all the Israelites as they're going up to Israel every year multiple times a year because there's three or four celebrations that are really important that they would all try to go to so it's not like they're going all right they sang Psalm 121 this year I'll do Psalm 122 next year, right? They have to, they're singing it every time they go up. And so we need to be reminded, just like they do, that the Lord, Yahweh, personal name, Yahweh, I know him. He's creator. He's close to me. He cares for me. He promises to keep his covenant. And we need to be reminded of that every day. So as you go forth today, whatever journeys you have going on uh, before you, as we continue in this faith journey, um, as we, you know, enter into eternity to be with our God, may we be encouraged and reminded and know that God cares for you because he is your keeper. He's creator of everything seen and unseen. He's close to you. He's the shade at your right hand, but he also promises to keep his covenant with his people. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, thank you for this song of ascent that you gave to your people, uh, not just for times like today, but something that has been sung by your people for thousands of years, 
in the times of Jesus, even before Jesus, with the kings of Israel, your people would sing these truths to encourage one another, to exhort one another, to strengthen their own faith and to gain confidence in the promises that you have for your people, that you are maker of heaven and earth, you're close and you keep these promises. May we live out those truths as we go forth from this uh, worship service today. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.